You're listening to Beauty and Impact, the show that gets valuable insights from changemakers disrupting the norms of beauty, wellness, and sustainability. We tackle topics like the impacts of beauty ingredients on our health and the environment, where people of color fit into the clean beauty conversation, sustainable beauty solutions, and so much more. We're your hosts and sisters, environmental activist Ashley Renee Nsanwu, and clinical skincare industry insider Jasmine Hill, here to spill all the green tea on beauty and sustainability. Let's go. Hey, hey, hope you're having a beautiful day. Welcome back to the Beauty and Impact Podcast. In today's episode, Jazz and I got to chat with someone who was so dope and easy to talk to that honestly, she felt like she could be one of our long-lost sisters. I'm, of course, talking about the brilliant Shantae Harris, co-founder of WOKESIS, which stands for Women of Color Collective in Sustainability. We get real in this episode. I mean, like we always do, but this combo right here really does go deep. In this up, we cover things like environmental justice, why it's critical to provide safe spaces for women of color to connect with like-minded women so they can thrive, how sustainability has been whitewashed for so long, how it's changing now to include more diverse voices, why and how people of color have been disproportionately impacted by climate change, even though they don't contribute at scale to environmental problems, misperceptions about people of color in the environmental crisis, and so much more. Okay, so I know that sounded like a mouthful, but like I didn't lie, I told you, we we get into it in this episode. But before we get into all of that, let's get into some sustainability news and my beauty product pick of the week. Jazz is off being superwoman right now, so it's just me doing the intro this week. All right, so for sustainability news, the U.S. is considering making companies disclose emissions and climate risk. Y'all, if this goes through, companies who publicly state their climate goals are going to need to include transparent information about the scope of activities and emissions covered by those goals, the time frame in which the company will meet its goals, and relevant data about the progress they're making. I think these new rules could honestly help make climate claims more transparent, which is something we really do need in this age of greenwashing. Also, we're seeing more and more industry-wide changes from both big players and indie brands in the beauty and personal care space. Procter & Gamble announced working towards 100% recyclable packaging across the board by 2030. We're seeing waterless and plastic-free products like shampoo bars by established companies like Aveda, and even recyclable toothpaste tubes by Colgate Palmolive. Which leads me into my product pick of the week, which is Bite Refillable Toothpaste Tablets and Deodorant. So it's great that Colgate is making recyclable toothpaste tubes and all, but I prefer a more zero-waste approach to toothpaste by brushing my teeth with eco and vegan-friendly toothpaste tablets. I've been using toothpaste tablets from indie brand Bite for years now. They initially come in a glass jar, and then they use a compostable refill system for your next shipment. And if you keep up with our podcast, you know that we are all about refillables on this show. I'm on a journey to replace much of my beauty and personal care items with refillable products to generate less waste. I just ran out of deodorant and I'm currently researching refillable deodorant brands. Bite launched a refillable deodorant, so I may go with them since I already ordered toothpaste tablets from them. Out of all the refillable deodorant brands that I've been researching, I can definitely say that their deodorant case is one of the prettiest. All right, so I talked about the latest beauty and sustainability news, my favorite product of the week, and now it's time for the main event, our conversation with Shantae Harris. 
Because let me tell you real quick, Shantae is the woman we want in our sustainability corner as she and her fellow co-founder, Jordi Vasquez, are opening doors for women of color to share their voices, make their impact in the sustainability industry, and take a seat at the policy table to address climate change. So without further ado, here we go. Today on Beauty and Impact, we're speaking with Shantae Harris, co-founder of Woke about the sustainability industry and how her organization seeks to show the next generation of women of color all the endless opportunities within the field of sustainability and the importance of caring for the environment. Shantae currently leads the investor network and corporate partnerships for Venture for Climate Tech, a climate tech venture studio and accelerator sourcing the best climate tech solutions across the globe. Named by America on Tech as an innovator and disruptor and Women E! News as a pioneering woman in sustainability, she's passionate about the intersection of urban tech, the circular economy, and impact. Jasmine, I will kick it off to you to ask the first question. Thank you, Ash. Okay, so Shantae, you have to let us know, you know, first of all, thank you for joining us today. Um, But for the people who don't know, tell us all about your organization, Woke Sis. I know we talked a couple of uh, minutes ago, you're talking about doing some events IRL that people might need to sign up for a list about to understand what's going on. So tell us a little bit about the organization and then what the mission is behind it. Yeah, well, first, let me just say that introduction was incredible. Everywhere I go, because I feel like most interests are dry, right? Like, like I will be your hype woman. <laughs> There's many Ash as a hype woman everywhere I go. Um, <laughs> so, well, first, thank you both for you know having me on and inviting me to speak. I feel like um, your energy is always so warm, whether it's you know via the DMs on social or you know calls. Um, and I think I mentioned to you that I'm a twin the last time we spoke. So it just gives me major oh, like FOMO. I'm like, I miss my twin. I just want to hang out with her. <laughs> but Wokesis, so Woman of Color Collective and Sustainability, uh, Wokesis for short, honestly was born out of really a desire and a need that myself and my co-creator Jordi Vasquez saw. So the story behind Wokesis is that we actually met at a Climate Week event in New York City. I can't even remember. We were we were rehashing the story actually last night at our first and re- real person event in quite some time. And um, I was like, I don't even remember what year it was. <laughs> but all we can remember is that we met and wow. we were, I think both of us were excited because we were going to a women's event, you know, in climate. And, you know, I walked in the room and I was just like, oh my God, like, where are the women of color? You know, mm-hmm. it was just so honestly disappointing to walk into a room and only see white women. Um, and I was so happy that there was a space for women, but I was like, how are we creating space for women if we don't include women of color, right? And right. I just feel like I, I had this moment of already feeling just always like I was the only one. And I think being in that space again, it was just a reminder of being the only one. And I just felt my stomach turn. And I think I was both disappointed and frustrated. And then, you know, a silver lining came about and that I happened to look, I think, over to like the right side of me and saw some curly hair. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, we're in here. We're in here. And I just remember, you know, Jordy and I made contact and we were like, you know, we did the like the head nod, like, hey, girl, how are you? can't believe we're the only two women of color in this room. She walked over and was just so warm. And I think we um, just knew in that moment, like, hey, we are going to be friends. Whether we like it or not, we need each other. And so we're about to 
Yes. <laughs> we're going to see each other. And so, yeah, we, we essentially, you know, I think created uh, the collective that we wish we had. And, you know, I can tell and maybe share a bit more later as we dive into more about our mission, what that has looked like. But really at the heart of it, we say Wokesis is really a digital collective and in-person community that is 100% dedicated to advancing women of color working across the sustainability industry. It was born out of the idea that really access to opportunity is crucial, as we know, for professional success well-being, and the advancement of every woman, uh, particularly women of color. So since our launch in the summer of 2019, I think we were in South Street Seaport. We were like, where is this collective? Like, it, does it exist? And we just couldn't find anything. And so we're like, all right, let's do it. And, you know, since then, we've brought together over 5,000 women of color through virtual and in-person events, uh, social media channels, a digital collect community, um, now a, a job board and a, a hiring matching program that we launched, and then also online publication where we you know, actually highlight writers and stories of women of color in this space. Oh God, I can relate to this so much. Just the, the, the part about, you know, feeling lonely or feeling like you didn't see anybody who looked like you. Yeah. Feeling like you were the only one. Cause when I first started my sustainability journey, it was the same thing. It was somewhat lonely um, in the beginning because I didn't see a whole lot of people who look like me in this space. But I mean, clearly you've proved that we're out here. Yeah. So, and we're really just so enamored by the fact that you were able to create like this legit community in the sustainability space for an underrepresented demographic. And yeah, we're just, we're here for it. We love to see it. And I want you to kind of like dive just a little bit more into it and like tell people who are listening, like how they can be a part of your community. Like how did you even like build this and how can people be a part of it? Yeah, you know, I think we built it honestly by asking what do we want in community? And so I mean, literally last night when we were hosting this in-person event, you know, I was like, you, as much as you all think, you know, Jordy and I are giving to you, you all are giving to us. I mean, from the start of this, it was like, well, what would we want to see as women of color in this space? And so we built it centering our lived experience um, and making sure that as we've grown, I think as we've gotten interest from the industry, that like that still remains at the forefront. Cause I think it's so easy to be like, hey, let's, let's tailor our needs towards orgs or towards corporates. And, you know, during the pandemic, Jordy and I sat down we were like, we don't exist for that. Like we exist for women of color first. And we are always going to be making decisions in this collective that put us first and prioritize what we need over the, the industry, right? Or the organizations and corporates that, you know, in the past year and a half realized like, hey, we only hire white people, right? And we don't have the diversity needed to really solve this climate crisis. So all of that to say that, um, you know, what we what we offer really is the opportunity to connect with other women of color, which we thought was really powerful, because I think to your point, Ash, you know, it wasn't that there weren't women of color. It was that where I was, there wasn't women of color. Right. And that meant that, as usual, it, it's not a pipeline issue. Right. It's a just a, a sense of, you know, commitment, really, and due diligence and saying like, hey, I'm going to move outside of my social network and actually bring people to the table who don't look like me. And I think our thought was like, hey, well, we can't really rely 
on, as we've been taught time and time again, we can't rely on those who don't look like us to amplify us. And so we were like, how can we create a community where really amplification is at the core of it? And so what we really provide is not only, I think, the ability to be amplified, but then to amplify one another. Um, And so the way that we do that is through prioritizing connection, resource sharing, mentorship, and we have essentially launched tools to make that easy. And so some of those tools include a Google group where women of color can share really anything, you know, whether it's like, hey, I'm looking for employment in X. This is the job that, you know, maybe I want to hire for as a business owner. I'm looking for a paid speaking opportunity or here's a paid speaking opportunity that I can't attend, but would love to pass it on to this group. And so we've just seen that Google group honestly come to life. And I think sometimes Jordi and I can't even keep up with <laughs> approving everything in time. We'll like get, we'll get like slides uh, or folks slide in our DMs like, hey, did you see my uh, LinkedIn? <laughs> in my Google group submission. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we got to get to it. I promise. <laughs> Oh, I know. It's hard. (laughs) Y'all got a lot going on. Yeah, we have a Google group. We have a LinkedIn group. And then we also have a monthly newsletter. And then the aim of the newsletter was to bring allies into this work to say like, hey, we're going to reserve this space for us. But if you want to follow what we do, if you want to support, if you want to be a partner, you know, feel free to sign up for our newsletter and we'll share sort of what's going on as well as resources and the way that we're thinking about this community and this movement. So I'd say those are really the core pieces of how we started. We now have a job board and a hiring program, which I can get into later, but uh, that's one of our newest, I think, tools and resources that we've just seen really be an incredible way to get women into positions that are not only accessible, but really can help them, you know, grow in their career. Yeah, I like how you kind of like put those two parts, you know, separate together. So you still have this kind of like tight knit community where people probably feel very open in like their communication, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But still kind of include like this uh, newsletter form of communication for like other people to kind of like come in or know larger organizations kind of keep up with what you guys are doing um for anyone maybe who's listening right now you mentioned two separate groups like the the google group and then the linkedin group is this two separate purposes between the groups so people might be thinking about joining one versus the other or should they look at trying to join both of those groups yeah i mean i think if you're a user of both join both i think we wanted to provide a couple of, you know, opportunities to engage just because I know some people get really overwhelmed by email, right? And maybe they don't want to be a part of a Google group, even though you can change the digest. So I've I've had to inform a few folks that you can change (laughs) it to a daily or weekly digest or whatever works best for you. But I, I get it. I mean, emails can be overwhelming. And, you know, I think on the flip side, some people absolutely adore LinkedIn. I'm one of them. I think LinkedIn has been an incredible tool for me in my career. And I'm a part of so many groups. And so I saw the power of what could happen in a LinkedIn group and was like, hey, what would it look like for us to, you know, create that space as well? So I think it's really sort of like a choose what works best for you model and that you don't have to do all of it or really any of it, right? You could also just sign up for our newsletter and say, hey, I just want a newsletter once a month. And I think it's about letting women of color like choose their journey and not throwing things down, you know, their throat, but saying, hey, here's here's a couple of different things you can opt into. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. It's, it's cool to see where people are also building community too. Sometimes, you know, I, I feel like I'm mm-hmm. in so many Slack groups and then starting yeah. to jump the Geneva wave a little bit and, you know, just mm-hmm. hearing like where people are kind of like really talking. Cause yeah, not just the Facebook groups anymore. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, you know, we honestly we thought about launching a Slack and then I think, you know, maybe it was a bit of me and Jordy's bias as well, but talking to a few ambassadors and, and, you know, volunteers were like, you know, I, I associate Slack a lot now with like work yeah. and like, yeah. you know, just the nature at least of and so we were like you know I think it would actually be nice to not you know <laughs> launch Slack group and that's not to say that Slack groups aren't amazing I mean they've been incredible for you know so many things that I've done but um, we were just like maybe we could just take a different route and that's okay too, you know have you heard of Mighty Networks yeah, we so we we explored that, and you know, originally our intention—I should say originally—but uh, during COVID, because we had this, you know, we grew by like five thousand percent during COVID. Wow. I mean, that's how big our collective got and our reach got so quickly. Mm-hmm. We were like, and you know, so many women were reaching out to us, like, "How do we become a member? Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to offer membership?" And so we actually started doing a due diligence. We put out a survey to gather like, hey, you know, not only what's a price point that's reasonable for you, but also like, what would you want to see in a membership model and, you know, community-based membership? Um, And so to be honest, we're still sifting through that. I think we didn't want to rush into anything because a part of it is that sustainability, particularly in the past year and a half, I know you both know, it's just like really exploded. Mm -hmm. And so a part of it is like, Actually, oftentimes, I think the way that, you know, our markets work and the way that businesses always worked is like rush to market, like find the solution immediately. And, you know, we're like, we kind of want to be intentional. And also what's the rush? Like we've built amazing resources already. Like let's launch something when we feel really good about it, when we have enough data, when we know like women of color want to check another thing. I think we're tired, right? Like, Like I think. On the phone all day. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, it's like, it's hard sometimes to just even like keep up with some of these groups because I have some that are so great. And then I just think about it. I'm like, crap, like I haven't checked in in X amount of time because again, now so much of my day is on the phone Mm -hmm. or online for work. I don't necessarily have like that same like break where I can just like, you know, hop on for fun as much anymore. (laughs) But I know like with you being in the more of like the tech space, and like thinking about like some of the community of what you're doing. So like for, you know, between tech and environment. um, So we obviously were doing like this podcast called Beauty and Impact. Um, I do a lot in the the beauty space Mm -hmm. and beauty, personal care, but wanted to know like with what you've seen in like the climate technology, if you've come across any solutions within sustainability that could be inventions or innovations that might make a good impact in those industries because I know I've been hearing about Chemberry, Novi Connect, you know, there's like these different platforms now that are almost kind of connecting and we'll call it in the sustainable way of making things more transparent for like sourcing. I've been hearing about that within like the food industries, being able to connect it to like beauty and personal care. I don't know if there's any like cool things that you've been, you know, kind of hearing about. Yeah, I mean, I actually did some work around like CBD and cannabis from a sustainable perspective um, a few years ago, and I've been trying to figure out how potentially our team could even launch like a CBD cannabis uh, sustainability arm to our venture studio. So that's like dream of dreams. (laughs) But, you know, in terms of like consumer products that I think are doing really interesting work, I think one of them is actually called Prima. It's a, a female founder. Yeah. And um, I really love what she's doing, not only from an impact model, right? Becoming a B Corp, 
um, and doing it so early, I think as an, as still a fairly early stage company, I think you can find her products now in um, Sephora, which is really exciting. But I think really what I love about it is like sort of replicating the Patagonia model, right, at such an early stage and tying in, you know, which I yeah. think CBD itself just speaks to wellness and self-care. And I think all of these things that even on the Wokesis side, we've we've realized like, hey, our, part of our community will be educating women of color, helping them transition into space, but also just like slowing down and wellness and taking care of ourselves and like breathing, you know, like like releasing all of the weight that we carry on our day to day. And so I think, you know, a product like that, which to be honest, I'd love to see more women of color entering that mm -hmm. space and starting businesses and sort of looking at the intersection of innovation and wellness and sustainability. I think that those types of, you know, companies are really exciting. And so I do know the founder of Prima, I think she's incredible and she's been very um, just intentional about the equity piece from the forefront and baking that into their impact model. So I think that's definitely one just sort of startup, you know, innovation company that I'm excited about. Okay, yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I don't think I even knew that they had a female founder part of the team. I always think mm -hmm. about it and, you know, connect it to um, Jessica from Honest Company's husband. Mm -hmm. I forget his name, but yeah, yeah, I know. I, yeah. I've got to <laughs> check that out. I, I kind of always think about it as like um, a male founded company, but I didn't realize that there was a um, female founder as part of the team, too. Yeah, she's great. I've gotten to speak with her a little bit. She actually worked with um, a, a woman of color I know who's incredible and does an, a lot of amazing equity and DEI work Female all around. Family. So um, yeah, I, I really like that company and I like their ethos, right, at the end of the day. Yeah, I like that they were also a B Corp, which you don't necessarily see a lot of times when you kind of, um, you know, see, let's say like a an Alta Sephora type of brand, you know what I mean? But just like seeing, right. like you were saying, like that Patagonia side of things where they're really thinking it through and being like very intentional with um, how they kind of created even just like the brand, you know? Yeah, and I'll add on the supply chain side, you know, we work, uh, when I say we, my, my team, the Four Climate Tech team on the second you side, we've worked with a company that's run by a Black woman. I think she's at her like Series A, Series B uh, stage now and she is building an incredible company that looks at hydroponics and doing that particularly in urban environments and I think there are some interesting use cases for like indoor grow but also I think just more so grow within a city environment and how it could be applied to future CBD cannabis products but also just overall sustainable products as well um, I'm really excited about what she's doing on the supply chain side and uh, you know also looking at how do you basically turn waste into new use cases. And I think um, just seeing, you know, honestly, a black woman at the forefront of that is always really exciting. And she's been making a splash as well in the space. So I, um, yeah, highly recommend checking out what she's doing. Yeah, she's running a really great company. That's really cool. What was the name of it? We'll make sure we link to it. Yeah, I'm like, I'm remembering the founder right now. Of course, I'm blanking on the name of her company, but it's Renewable. So R-E-N-U-B-L-E, uh, Tania Pino. And she's an incredible leader and founder. So yeah, Ashley, add that to the show notes. That's really cool. Just kind of checking in, you know, from what you've been seeing. Um, I think we talked a little bit in the beginning about, you know, wanting to see more women of color getting involved into climate, getting involved into environment. You know, obviously, like 
statistically, a lot of our areas where we live are more impacted by climate change. So it is very important that we kind of have a seat at the table to really talk about, you know, what's happening for us. And so, you know, wanted to check in with you about like why you felt through the work that you're doing that women of color are important to the environmental justice movement. Because I think it hasn't been something to me that's been very connected mainstream until maybe I think a little bit more like last year, last summer, and you've really just been hearing like environmental justice even kind of being something that is just talked about more, where even for me, I didn't necessarily see the connection in the same way until more people were really talking about it and writing about it. And that's me being into it, you know, and if I talk to my friends, they're just like, wait, no idea, you know? I've never heard of this. What does this mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think um, what I've seen, which is exciting, is that there are I think more diverse people are being elevated across every sector within climate. And I think one of the Uh faults of that, you know, whether it's been by, you know, intention or just sort of like, hey, we're not, you know, we're not playing these games anymore. (laughs) 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 So I think what, what I've seen, which I'm really excited about is environmental justice, just, you know, breaking out of its silo. I think for so long, it was like, well, let's talk about everything. And then like the equity, the justice pieces over here within the climate or sustainability discussion. And I think what's happening now is like a climate, you know, the, the, the numbers are clear, like most leaders in climate, meaning those who are backed have funding resources are white men. Right. And I think um, there's just this realization that, you know, we can't tiptoe around that reality and that uh, also what's happening is that it means that we're not actually seeing that capital deployed, right, to folks who are not only disproportionately impacted by the climate crisis, but also those who really understand, like, what are the on on the ground solutions that are needed to actually support their communities. Um, And I just, I see a lot of brown and black communities and leaders just really, I don't even want to say stepping up. I think it's just more like taking space, right? Like taking the space that I think we finally have been able to, to see a little bit carved out, right? And we're like, look, well, I know I, I think about it this way. I'm like, I'm not going to shy away from that conversation. And I'm from, I'm on the tech and, you know, investment side, right? And so when we're talking about tech and investment, it's like $17 million has been committed to uh, climate tech in the first two the first two quarters of 2021. And for me, it's like, well, where's that capital going to flow to? What are the founders going to look like, right? And the founders need to be black and brown founders, not only because, you know, there's a, yes, there's an impact argument, but also because we're going to find the best solutions and scale the best solutions and technologies for the climate crisis. They need to represent the communities that understand, you know, new innovative business models, how to reach different types of customers. And so I think what I'm seeing is just a lot more of that, that conversation around environmental justice being a part of every single aspect of the sectors within sustainability. And so it looks like, you know, environmental justice being brought up in policy, being brought up in tech, being brought up in investment, being brought up in, you know, heavy industry, utilities, um, just all of the different aspects to how you can approach sustainability. And I think Hmm. that 
that's what we have to be doing. You know, there really is no other option in my opinion. Um, And I'm excited because it creates space for like us to be the experts, which we've already known (laughs) was Uh the case. But now it's kind of like, oh, right. I really, you know, if if I'm a white man who's never been exposed to anyone outside or really ever been exposed to anyone outside of my homogenous community or experience, like how am I going to build a solution um, or, you know, advance an initiative that can really have a huge impact on on this climate crisis if, you know, I, I don't have that. I just don't have the ability to actually look at it from that perspective. Well, yeah, it's so interesting that you mentioned that because uh, <laughs> I think it's no secret that sustainability has pretty much been whitewashed for a number of years. And to my sister's point, it wasn't until last year that you really saw the topic of environmental justice really being talked about at scale. And so it's really exciting to, like you said, see yeah. it get its shine. And I guess that begs the question, do you feel like sustainability is for all? And if not, how is Woke Sis working on changing that and the perception of sustainability, um, you know, just kind of being reserved for white spaces for so long? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think I look at it as sustainability is for all because everyone has played a part and, you know, helping to preserve this planet. And I think to yes. The reality is that BIPOC communities have done the least amount of harm, right? When we think about who really is responsible for this crisis we're living in, it is not majority of, you know, BIPOC communities. And I think the reality is if you, if you run, you know, whether it's stats or just, you know, the aggregation of what has actually been happening over yeah. uh, not even just the past few decades, but really since, right, human civilization, indigenous communities have preserved and continue to fight to preserve the planet, right? And to preserve yeah. the biodiversity of this planet. And so I think, you know, it's, I think sustainability has always been for all. I think the way that sustainability has been brought into the mainstream has been about centering white people's experience in it. When the reality is that I remember when I entered into sustainability, there was a while where I was like, oh, well, what what do I have to contribute? Or, you know, how am I going to be involved in this space? And I think to be honest for a while, I was like, oh, well, maybe I don't have the right perspectives or, you know, maybe I'm not looking at it from like as much of a, you know, an industry and a science and a research perspective that's needed to make me credible. And I think one day I just woke up and I was like, oh, forget that. Like, you know, like I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore, you know? And that doesn't mean that I don't believe in the science and the research and I can't talk about it and I don't use that to make my case. But it's also to say that, you know, the way that I was entering it was also enough. And I think that's the thing yeah. is like sustainability, climate is has historically been such an exclusive, like, you know, club where it's like, oh, well, you know about this and this act that was passed. And it's like, no, but I know mm-hmm. that my community is the most, impacted by all these decisions that you all claim to be making to protect people right and the planet and so i think what i've leaned into is this idea that yes sustainability is what we make it right sustainability is how we experience and what we do to be a part of the movement and no one can take that from you like once you decide that that's for you like that is your story. That is your contribution. And you don't owe anyone an explanation or, you know, and you certainly don't need to show up like you need to prove yourself in order to be in that room and contribute in a real way. And I guess my hope, you know, Jordy and I's hope is that through woke sis, like Absolutely. women of color just see the power we have, right? 
and see that our lived experience, our expertise, because the reality is like we're doing the science, we're doing the research, and we're still we still have all of these other amazing gifts around understanding the intersection of it all, right? And being able to speak to it all. So it's not a either or. Like we're already the engineers, we're already the founders, we're already the CEOs, right? We're already doing the incredible yeah. work, the policy wonks, right? Like, and so in the architects, I mean, there's so many urban planners and designers I've met. I'm just wowed by what right. they're doing in this space. And so it's like, we, we, we got that down. Like, that's not, you know, there's no argument. There. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to argue with you about us not having those skill sets. It's the reality is that we have those skill sets and more because we actually understand how the environment is impacting everyone. You say you do, but you don't approach it from yeah. that standpoint. We approach it from that standpoint, mm -hmm. right? And so I think for me and Jordy, again, with Wilkes, it's like, we just want to yeah. double down on women of color feeling like whatever room they walk into, it's theirs, whatever perspective they have. Like they have a whole army waiting to back them and like give them a stage mm. and amplify their thought piece. You know, you're speaking at an event, let us know. We want to shout you out, you know, and I think we want to do more of that, to be honest. But I, I think that. that's our overarching goal is like, how do we amplify ourselves in yeah. a way where at the end of the day, it's like we don't even need the rest of the ecosystem to get behind us because we're so loud and proud about what we're doing. Right? Standing up yourselves. Yeah. 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 Uh, and actually, just to piggyback off of something you said earlier about how, you know, it's people of color who are being impacted the most. I want to share a quick statistic. This is something that I learned last year, which was that African-Americans contribute 23% less to climate change, but bear 21% more of the harms when compared to other racial groups. So I just wanted to share that because um, I think it falls in line with what you were mentioning earlier about how historically we have not been the ones contributing to this, you know, at scale like other racial groups have been. And yet we're the ones being disproportionately impacted by it. And being left out of the movement, right? Or like Right. Or like exactly. the movement is it becomes about like, how much can you spend to be sustainable? And <laughs> It's like, no, that's not the point. Right? Oh, that's, that's not, not it. The, point. Yeah. the point is about how do we change? And that's actually what inspired. So I know I've mentioned to you, to you both that we did a mini summit last night. We want to do one in LA, DC, yes. potentially Atlanta in the new year. And really, you know, we were thinking about sort of what do we want to focus on in our summit, because I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but I think you two already know, we we did an annual summit, we launched our inaugural summit during COVID, we thought originally it would be in person, and then, you know, the world happened, yeah. <laughs> and or, you know, COVID happened to the world, I should say, right, and so we ended up doing a virtual event, and honestly, Jordi and I, which just keeps happening, we're like, oh, maybe 50 people will show up, maybe 60, and we had over 400 RCP from wow. across the globe, like literally hitting almost every country. We had over 20 partners and sponsors and we organized everything in less than two and a half weeks. And oh, it was yeah. just, yeah, <laughs> right. Which meant, which meant I didn't sleep, but that's okay. <laughs> in the middle of okay. your full time. Right. In the middle of my full time, in the middle of a panorama, in the middle of George Floyd, like all the things. But I think her and I just had this new, because we just saw how many women of color were like, thank you. Like it was just using, this, yeah. even if you went to, at some point, well, we had the recording out somewhere, but we have to bring it back. But if you went to the chat, like just seeing women of color be like, I have not felt this inspired about my work. I have not felt like I belonged in this work in so long. Like, thank you for hosting this. Thank you for like seeing us. Thank you for elevating us. Cause all of the speakers, I think we're women of color, except for one man of color who we love. Todd <laughs> Ventures now, yeah. but, um, 
Yeah, I mean, like, I think for us, it's just been incredible to see how much this community has meant to other women. I think that's what drives Jordy and I, because we're like, oh, like, y'all really want this. So we we really want this, too, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's it's fueling you to kind of keep going. It's just like, yeah, I'm a little tired right now. <laughs> Got to get this together, but... The, the people are ready and they want it. <laughs> they want it. There's obviously a demand for it. Yeah, yeah and I, I realized I didn't wrap my thought. I was, I was trying to get to you talking about the summit, which was we did that summit. And then this year we were like, what are we going to do this year? And, you know, we had went back and forth. I was pretty fatigued from all the virtual programming and planning. Yeah. And then we had also been talking about the role of like just, I think, feminine energy in this work and then also creativity mm-hmm. and culture and art, like I think, you know, at the heart of this, it's not just like, yes, let's be more sustainable. It's like, we have to change fundamentally what we value, right? Like as, yeah. as a society, as a culture. And I think um, being not only in the tech and innovation space, but also in the business world, it's so easy to get like wrapped up into like the metrics and the, you know, the, the points around like, what are we, what are the GHG emissions and how, like, which those matter, but also what matters is like changing people's perception around consumption and what they actually yeah. need and what we actually contribute to in our day-to-day lives. And I think for people of color, like making doing a lot with a little is not new to us, right? Or just Let's honestly be through that conversation. Right. Yep. <laughs> be content also with like having the things that you have as well. And so it's not to say you don't have nice things or you don't do amazing things for your family and for yourself in your lifetime, but it's to say that like this this oh like this unnecessary consumption right? Like that we've normalized, like that is at the heart of this as well. And Ayanna Johnson came out with this incredible quote, I had it in front of me, but we essentially released a manifesto, which I can send you both the link to link to. Um, But it was basically like, instead of, yes, we're going to talk about business and that matters too, but we're like, we're going to talk about culture and like the role of women in art and creativity and like how we're not actually at war with the planet. Like the planet has no beef with us, you know, like (laughs) it literally does not. Like we're not at war. We're actually at a fundamental tension around what we value as, as human beings, right? And its impact on everything around us. And so this quote that Ayanna Johnson mentioned, like we were going back and forth and we read it and we were like, this is what, like, this is it. This is what we were trying to say. This is what we were getting at. And we basically created the summit around that, like creativity, art, connection, well-being, like that is at the heart of what we're really trying to do in this movement. So yeah, again, happy to share with you all, but I just think that's so important. We we actually had two spoken word artists, two women of color last night, one queer woman and then another amazing Boricua from, from um, New York City and listening to them tell our stories and, and perform. Like it was literally exactly what we had dreamed of. We were like, we like this is about our well-being. This is about creativity. This is about culture. And I'm just happy that we kind of regrounded ourselves in that. And so we want to do that in cities across the country and sort of just do like a little, like almost like a tour and just start to meet other women of color in our orbit and in our community that we haven't had the chance to. Yeah. Yeah. It's very imperative that it's almost like needing to get out there from the very beginning to kind of just like switch the culture of like what you were doing, right? And I think that you really just kind of hit the nail on the head because where I see sustainability Mm -hmm. now, it's almost like you said, just about buying new products, you know, like buy these 10 products 
to replace the things that you already have yeah. because not only are they sustainable, but they look great in a picture. And you too can be sustainable. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're, we're kind of like lost the purpose yeah. of it a little bit sometimes, yeah. I think, due to social media. So it could be the best of worlds uh-huh. and sometimes it can be the worst of worlds. You know, given that you've had so much experience, like not only like in the space yourself, but being able to kind of surround yourself through conversations by so many other women of color who are, you know, out there within the industry and doing the work for people who are maybe tuning in today and just like really listening. How do you feel like we can get across the urgency of climate change to communities of color? Ashley will always tell you, like, I kind of tease her sometimes about being, um, you're my personal Captain Planet of keeping me involved of like, what's happening and, you know, telling me how much I need to get, you know, the companies I'm consulting with to yes. switch to, you know, different sustainable packaging, this, that, and the other. <laughs> and, but, you know, at the reality, everyone is not in the same bubble the same way that we might be in. And, you know, it's very easy to kind of brush off the crisis that we truly are in brush off some of the headlines that we're getting about some of these climate (laughs) talks that are happening and how much trouble we are actually at right right now. Yeah, I think that's a great question. It's, I mean, I think it's one I've thought a lot about. It's also one that I think comes up often. I do know, and I wish I had the numbers in front of me, but there was, I believe there was a survey that was done a couple years ago. um, And it was, it was some from a Credible, you know, academic yeah. institution, and I think it was led actually yeah. by a black woman, like a black female PhD. And what they actually found in the survey is that you know, um, African Americans and black communities were were not only just as concerned about the environment and climate change, but actually more concerned mm-hmm. by it. So I, I do sometimes, or not even sometimes, I, I feel that there is a misperception around you know our sense to to gauge this this urgency, because I think the reality is that we're the ones who have had to, you know, really be the advocates to even drive, whether it's like mainstream media or policy. Um, But I think about, you know, folks like Peggy Shepard, who she runs an organization called We Act here in New York. And she was one of the first black women advocates in this space, really driving the equity conversation, like environmental justice before it was like even (laughs) saying those words, you know? And so I think that, you know, the reality is like, many of us are, I think, you know, obviously I'm in the space, so it's very easy to, you know, think about like this bubble where everyone's just talking to me about climate. And, you know, I joke that I'm, I'm definitely the family member now when I come to the Alshate Hotels to recycle and stop. Reuse that again. But I think think honestly, what I found the way that things have landed is making it not about sustainability. That's like, I'm going to hold you accountable or like you're in trouble. Cause I think sometimes that's like, what's how consumers perceive of it. And then they get overwhelmed. Right. And then, you know, the reality is like consumers are a part of solving this crisis, but really we know the industries that are most responsible, right. For greenhouse gas emissions. Like we know that it has to come from business. It has to come from mandates on the government side and incentives to be more sustainable. And so I think, you know, I try not to overemphasize the role of, you know, the everyday person. Exactly. But I also have found, particularly in my family and my community, that what has worked for me and where things land really well is making it about their well-being and their health. And so when I talk to, you know, my mom or my dad or my cousin, I'm like, hey, Uh you know, actually, like, 
those things have very toxic chemicals, right? And they're impacting your health, your body. And you can actually start to tie many of these conversations around, you know, sustainability, environmental justice, the impacts of the climate crisis to people's health. I mean, there's a direct correlation. If you look at a city uh, like New York, you can tie the areas that have, you know, um, the highest heat islands that have the most bus depots, right? Where there's just constant pollution to asthma attacks, right? And so when I entered the climate space, it actually came from a public health standpoint where I was like, hey, we're asking people to be more healthy, but really like, yeah, you can buy healthier food, right? Or you can take go off for a walk. But if you're going for a walk in your neighborhood and there's a bus depot around the corner and there's just constant emissions spewing, like, like we're missing the point, right? Like, and so I think... Um, that really changed my perspective of just like sustainability and climate overall. And I would say that was one of the first times where I was like, oh, I want to enter this space thinking about it from like a systems thinking perspective, right? And like really looking at what what's at the root here. So yeah, I mean, I think we have to hold all of those things. And I find that, you know, when I tell my mom, like, hey, those those products are actually really bad for you. And, you know, you put them in the microwave and then you eat from them and you're kind of eating them. And then like, imagine what that's doing. You know, she'll like not listen to me. And then maybe at the end of the conversation, she's like, you know, she's like, okay, maybe I can buy something yeah. else next time, you know? Like, <laughs> we can just do the glass, you know? We can do the glass. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the reason why my mom switched over to like I think paper plate. She was like using styrofoam yeah. before my sisters were like, Yeah, she just she kept hearing you talk about how bad it was <laughs> for the environment, for our bodies. And so she finally was like, oh, Kay's making me spend the extra three dollars for these, you know. <laughs> Sounds like our dad. <laughs> I, I, and, and that's so important because, you know, cause, you know, I feel like when you're in the environmental space, sometimes we let our pride get in the way where it's like, we just want so bad for people to do it for the right. same reasons that we're doing it for. But you can't be like that. Like where you have are. to meet people where they're at. I actually remember being on a call with Stacey Abrams and she was trying to talk to us about how to get, you know, people of color interested yeah. in these topics because it was during the political season. We were trying to get a candidate in office who uh, was a big advocate for solar power. And she was like, yeah, so if you want to get the black community interested in, you know, solar energy, you can't use all these like terms about climate change. You can't use things that are going to go over the head. You need to talk about it in a way that it, relates to them because otherwise like why would they care so like you need to talk about like the the savings you know you need to talk about you know like you said like the health impacts of using like electricity and you know so it's just you have to meet people where they're at and not go over their heads with like a bunch of terminology because you're in that bubble you're in that space and it's familiar to you you know but it might not be familiar to other people but if you can talk to them in a way that makes it relatable to them then yeah they'll they'll be 100% on board Yeah. And I think one other thing that's come up really quickly is like, you know, the reality is like BIPOC communities drive culture, right? And culture is, is, is oftentimes an incentive for a change in behavior, whether it's like, I'm going to listen to this new type of, right? Like, I don't know, indie soul or like this new army. We're not only influencers, right? When it comes to society, but we influence one another. And so I think one thing I've been thinking a lot about and Jordy and I have thought a lot about is like, what can we be doing to drive like culture that makes sustainability like the top of everyone's you know at the top of everyone's minds and I think we're starting to see that like not to say that celebrities are only culture but we're starting to see more you know influencer types folks with big followings 
folks that people really respect, right? And sort of look at for like the latest, whether it's trends or things to do. And I think there's a huge opportunity there. I've been having some really fun, interesting conversations, whether it's like with music artists or, you know, athletes and saying like, hey, there's a lot of opportunity here, but also there's an opportunity for us to really drive like culture, which drives behavior. And I think that really excites me. And I think we will be at the forefront, honestly, of like the behavioral change because people change their behavior so quick when BIPOC communities change. Like, you know, we uh-huh. think, and then it's like all over, right? It's like the next magazine, the next commercial. So, I mean, I'm excited about really how we can leverage that more. And I think that'll have a huge impact, not only within our communities, but also, uh, you know, a broader society. Yeah, listen, we can we can talk more offline about that because honestly, I feel like yeah. that's almost like the wave that we have to ride because like you said, mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, even Nielsen Ratings has, you know, literally said where culture comes from and if we can kind of <laughs> switch that wave right now, I don't know if you've seen like the, the Revolt, Revolt has like a campaign where they've done like a bunch of like little cute slicks little cute um, snippets on I think like YouTube was primarily how they were doing it and they were pairing like different comedians together with like different people in hip-hop and having like the guy like go over to like their house um, it's, it's Drewski or like I am Drewski and um, you know like he's going over to like Tiana Taylor's house mm-hmm. and like you need to recycle and like let's do it so, you know I'm just kind of like making things a little bit more relatable meeting people like where they are because again yeah, like you yeah, said yeah. it's kind of just like this culture shift that if we can get people to shift the culture mm-hmm. it can make a bigger impact in that way right because if you kind of make it to the level of like it's not just about you know trying yeah. to carry this like fancy you know a water bottle that you know kills like the blue rays and the this and the that you know that like most people here, you know <laughs> but if we can just kind of like break right. it down to like these simple things that people can do right. and again yeah, show exactly. that hey people that maybe you look up to and, and are inspired by in some way shape or form are doing it care about it you know, maybe that can make the bigger shift. Because again, it's like we're influencing for good as opposed to just like, hey, buy this t-shirt, you know, download this new song, yeah. you know? Yeah, I um, I don't know if you saw SZA's uh, campaign, which I think that was like now. I saw the so. shirt. So like she's got actually this like really cool, like plastic sucks yeah. tea that everyone's been waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> and she did a cool partnership with Taza where they, yeah. I think they basically like partnered and then planted a bunch of trees and particularly yeah. like communities that don't really have right um a lot of trees which you know I think people will hear that but oh that's oh, a I simple solution that. I but I mean, having worked on like green infrastructure oh, projects yeah. in cities like that has a huge impact to again air quality and making sure that yep. like you know carbon emissions aren't uh-huh. like overly concentrated in certain areas with people that look like us and so I think um you know, I was really excited by that because I'm like, I don't remember. I can't even think about when, you know, another uh, music artist was even talking about like, you know, the idea of carbon offsets and 
uh, what that does for things like tree planting and community. I saw a video that showed like a direct correlation between poor communities being impacted by climate change and them having less trees planted in their areas as opposed to say the more wealthier side that had tons of trees because the government was you know or the local government was planting trees in their area and they weren't suffering from the effects of extreme heat like the poorer communities were who didn't have trees to shade them from the intense heat during the summer I thought that was really interesting yeah, I feel like that's something I like, I get, that's when I start to nerd out because it's like, I don't know, if you've heard <laughs> yeah. of Rob, Robert Moses, but he's basically the guy that was responsible for building New York City and the way that it's built. And you can literally tie like, basically his view on certain communities and his racist views, right, to how New York City was built. And Central Park used to actually be a community of Black people. And they were removed from their homes and Central Park was built on top of their homes and you know they were basically you know removed and had to go live in the outer boroughs or just further away from Manhattan and so you have this new parkland I know and and to be honest it's insidious in that it's tied to almost made every major hub not just New York right but in the U.S. so I think that's why like urban planning and like the amount of just brown and black folks I see who are like urban planners now and in this space, you know, being saying like, this was not by mistake. Like this was by design. Like we created communities to be disproportionately impacted by access and opportunity, major highways that literally go over, right. These communities, like someone made that decision. It wasn't just, it didn't just pop up one day. Like we literally built these things to operate this way. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of like unfortunate history that I think is, is starting to come to light, but we have to have those honest conversations because they're directly tied to climate change. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, New York was built as a city for cars when like we had a subway system. Right. And that was because certain subway systems were designed or certain subway stops were designed to not be accessible. And that like they, it was literally designed so that they didn't want certain communities being able to get off at a stop. And the same thing, if you go to DC, I don't know if you're like that familiar, but there's certain bus stops that like, or the fact that you can't get to Georgetown, you can only get to really Georgetown on a bus. Like those are all things that were intentionally built in that way. Right. And they have correlations to the amount of green space that exists. Right. Um, And COVID really, I think really demonstrated that, right. When communities don't have access to outdoor green space, like, that's an impact on not only their mental health, but their physical health. So anyways, I'll, I'll rant. So I'm no, sorry. I, I, I'm trying not to rant too, because your <laughs> Central Park uh, example made me think of a term that I learned called um, environmental gentrification. Mm. So I was just like, oh my God. But yeah, I, I would nerd out with you on that as well. But yeah, I'll, I'll let us continue um, with the podcast. Um, <laughs> so I know Jasmine had uh, one other question, one last question, and then I have one more as well. Oh, yeah. Sorry, so I'm I'm just vibing. Yeah, I, know, I am too. Like I could talk about this all day, but yeah, I'll let, I'll let Jasmine get to her her last question. Yeah, no, I definitely want to make sure to get to the last question because I, I think that that one is super important. So, like this one in particular, yes. we wanted to know if you have any people or organizations kind of sounding off about climate change that you like to follow. So yes. maybe people listening can you know pick up a couple new people that might be of interest to them. Yeah, there's so many. I'm like <laughs> I'm like just sending you a bunch of links. And don't worry, if you want to link it, we can send a bunch of links, links, make it easy for people and just kind of like, you know, get people into the mind frame of, you know, who's talking about it and maybe who can just kind of like share 
a couple of things with them that they can yeah, kind of yeah. take some pearls. Yeah, I kind of want to shout out folks who maybe like people don't immediately think about because I think, in, you know, yeah. like in every movement and industry, yeah. you get the people who are like, ev- like they're everywhere and everyone thinks of them. talked about. Right. <laughs> um, I think Generation Green is really exciting. It's a bunch of young Black environmentalists and I'm just so inspired by them. I remember when they launched yeah. and they reached out to Wokesis, we were like, yeah, anything we can do to support and just seeing the community they built a black founder um she's one just super stylish but then two like just so incredible when it comes to thinking about how do you really build the liberation movement into right this work um and i really just admire what they're doing i also sit on the board of an incredible network that i think some people know about but a lot of people don't it's called power shift network and it's actually i think one of the only if not very few uh bipoc led youth organizations that are really bringing together basically all of the groups and organizations that focus on climate justice and young people. And so they sort of serve as a collaborative, I think similar to WOKSIS and that we're convening women of color, you know, in the sustainability industry, they're essentially convening young people who are building orgs and incredible companies and movements in the fight for climate change, right? The climate crisis. And so I think uh, those are two that certainly come to mind. I'm trying to think if there's like a couple individuals that I'm like, yeah, I feel like the ones that are coming to mind are uh, Aditi Meyer, who's an incredible filmmaker. She spoke at, and not just a filmmaker, I think she's a photojournalist, an author, like just so many things, the list goes on. But she spoke at one of our Wokesis brunches not too long ago when we were doing that during covid and I really love her take on just, you know, the the fashion industry and the textile industry because of how much, you know, waste can be accounted and emissions can be counted uh, through that that space. And then I think, you know, Dominique Drakeford, um, I remember. Oh, yeah. That's your friend, right? Yeah, I love them. Sustainable Brooklyn. I feel like they're doing so many other things now, too. And I remember we we got lunch probably now years ago and I was like, oh, my God, I love what you guys are doing. We got to figure out how to collaborate yeah it's been really lovely to see them just thrive and you know I think they've been doing this for so long and I'm just so glad that you know they have a the platform they deserve now um and I'm looking forward to it growing even more so yeah those are some some that come to mind I'm sure after this I'll have like a bunch oh I think the only other group I want to mention is I know I mentioned Taj Aldridge he runs Include Ventures. And I what I love about Todd is like he was like one of the OGs in clean tech 1.0, like when you just didn't see like any black people in the investment world. And he now runs a fund of funds where he's investing in BIPOC emerging fund managers in the investment space. Yeah, incredible. And then also investing in BIPOC founders. And he has this phrase, I'm sure it's not new, but I, I've heard it from him more recently where he's like, every investment has an impact. And like, he just always says that he always opens with it. And I think in our space, it's so powerful because it's like, well, just because you don't think about the impact doesn't mean it doesn't have an impact. Right. And his, his question, I think in that statement is like, are you creating a negative or positive impact for this world? And I just think it's so powerful. So yeah, those are just a few people, but there's so many that I adore. (laughs) Thank you so much for all those resources. Um, We're definitely going to put this in the show notes. Okay. So just to wrap this up, because, you know, we were talking about technology or you were talking about technology. Mm -hmm. I have a YouTube channel. And so I'm a bit of a green tech nerd. And so I talk about the intersection of sustainability and like home technology. So, you know, for like the average person for, for families. So needless to say, obviously I'm, I'm very excited to see everything you're doing and see how you're slaying in the climate tech space. And I want to see more women of color leading in this 
area because that has just been such a passion for me is like something that I've always talked about is like you just you don't you know see us talking about it as much or you don't hear you don't see us being amplified like for those of us who who do talk about these things so for the women listening you know what advice can you share with them on how to get into the tech side of sustainability yeah and I love this question because I think that was a question I asked myself not too long ago and I'm in it and I'm also not just being able to support and invest in technologies that are run by women of color um I think you know I, I guess baseline one thing I think about is like a lot of us still are so hesitant to take risk and start. And I think um, I, what I want to say is like, if you have this inkling, this small, like little voice, that's like, what would it look like for me to build in this space? Like, listen to it, you know, like, don't, don't, don't try to quiet it. Don't go like, don't think, Hey, maybe I'll go this route or like do it, you know, and, and not just do it, but know that there are so many people now that really want to see you win. I feel like there's just been this amazing ecosystem of black and brown people that have emerged. Not that we weren't there, but I think we're finally convening in a way that's so powerful and with numbers to say like, no, this space is going to be for us. Like that's a non-negotiable. Like we are going to make this space happen for us. We are going to build amazing technologies. We're going to scale them. We're going to have unicorns. We're going to build generational wealth. We're going to build amazing jobs and upward economic mobility for ourselves. So all of that to say that, you know, I run a venture studio model that focuses on the earliest stages of climate technologies. I'm always more than happy to talk to any woman of color who's like, I might want to start something. What do I need? How, like, can you look at my deck? Can you give me some feedback? Um, But also like apply, you know, like I, I had this one black woman after we selected her, I think when she was in a final the final stages of selection. She was like, oh, I was waiting to reach out to you until, you know, I, I didn't want to like, you know, skew your your thought process around. And I was like, do you know all of these white men have been emailing me nonstop? <laughs> they don't care about some selection process. They don't, they don't care, care about skewing. We process. do that. We do that. Right. So don't do that. Don't do that. Reach out to people, especially other, you know, and I don't want to just say like black women and black people or brown women and brown people. But I think just people in general that you're like, oh, I'm intrigued by them. They look like they might help founders. I want to talk to them. Like, I think there's so many people in this ecosystem who, again, are like wanting to champion founders of color. And so like do the thing. If you have the thing in your mind, like just start it, right? Mm -hmm. Start it and then trust yourself to figure it out. So, yeah, I think, you know, I could go on and on. But I just I, I think I'm so passionate about that because I'm literally trying to build an apprenticeship program now to help women of color, like understand climate tech at earlier ages and then build something potentially later on. So like giving us that like initial touch point, which I think is so important, but yeah, we'll see. So that's, that's, that's my thought. Just do it. Trust yourself to do it. Oh my God, my heart. Like I'm, I'm going to stop myself from geeking out because I know just <laughs> rant about this for so long. There's so many things you just said that I want to, I just want to piggyback off of, but I'm, I'm going to stop myself. But oh my God, thank you so much. Like I just love everything you said. And we are so appreciative that you talked to us about this today. This is such an important message that I think people of color need to hear, especially women of color. For those listening, we are out here, okay? We are in this space. We care. There's a whole network of people to support you if this is something that you're passionate about. Um, Jasmine, was there anything you wanted to say? I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, taking some time you know to come sit and chat with us today I you know everyone's schedule is like so insane right now so you know anytime someone can kind of you know take time out of their day 
spend an hour with us. We are so honored. And so we will leave it real quick with exactly where people can go and follow you, whether it's on social or it's a website. Um, if they're intrigued, they want to know a little bit more if they want to sign up to be a part of your platform. For sure. Um, well, I just want to thank you both. This was so fun. I, I you know, mentioned to you before I've been talking nonstop with, with <laughs> coming on. This was my third like talking thing. <laughs> and this was the most fun and I just felt yeah. like, I'm, I'm hanging with my sisters I should call my twin up tell her to <laughs> uh, but no, this was so fun so thank you for yeah inviting me to be on the show Yay. I'm really excited about all the work you two are doing and just knowing you're out there you. helping to drive the narrative around sustainability um, and impact and so yeah where folks can follow our work uh, so Wokesis has an Instagram it's W-O-C underscore underscore C-S a lot of handles were already taken, so that's what we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know your struggle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We know that life. Um, you can also find us at that same handle on Twitter. And then I think I mentioned that we have a LinkedIn group, so you can just type in yeah. Women of Color Collective and Sustainability on LinkedIn and find us. And then if you go to our website, you can also just find all of these channels very directly. You'll find our medium where we post from time to time on whether it's updates, announcements, other women of color who are doing great work in the space. And I feel like I'm forgetting one more. Oh, just the, the newsletter. If you, again, if you go to our website, you can just sign up for the newsletter and then we'll automatically add you to the Google group as well. Uh, we do make people identify whether or not they're women of color because that, that's important. So we don't just want anyone signing up. Don't want the lurkers. <laughs> hey, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that's where you can find us. And then I think for folks who might be interested in the climate tech space and building some Something new. Uh, you can find the work that I do at Second Muse, which is the company I work for. So Second and then Muse, M-U-S-E. And then uh, the Venture Studios name is Venture for Climate Tech. And most of our socials, I believe, are at for climate tech. So yeah, feel free to reach out anytime. Honestly, I'm like extremely accessible. So if you shoot me a message, I will most of the time like maybe apply a reply way too soon when I should be doing other work. But I just get energized anytime oh. any person. Yeah, I feel oh, you. <laughs> Easily distracted. Thanks. But yeah, thank you. Thank you again so much. We really appreciate it. And for everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed hearing what she had to say as much as we enjoyed interviewing her. Thank you both. Bye, everyone. Bye. All right. Thank you for tuning into Beauty and Impact today. If you got any gems from this episode, please subscribe to us wherever you're listening and show us some love by writing a review. It helps other beauties looking to make an impact just like you find the show so they can listen too. And while you're waiting for the next episode to drop, just go ahead and hit us up on Instagram at Beauty and Impact. We'd love to hear from you. All right. That's it. We'll catch you in the next episode with more green tea on beauty and sustainability.